All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter 5. Our piano went a little crazy. Not our piano player, our piano. And uh, I don't know, that's kind of crazy. I thought somebody was tapping on the mics. I was looking at the sound guys. I'm like, what's going on? And then I realized it's coming from the piano. I'm like, oh my. I thought, man, we might, if we don't get that shut off, people are going to start dancing. I mean... <laughs> It's going to be awkward. And you trust me, you don't want me to dance. I have never danced, and I, it would be really weird. Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter 5. In verse number 13, we're, we're talking about the Spirit. We're going to continue to in our lesson and our series and uh, this morning we're talking about choosing to walk in the Spirit. Last week we looked at really the differences between the, uh, the Spirit and the flesh and how they're completely opposite one from another. We went through these lists and we talked about them very, uh, very detailed and, and uh, defined all the words really and, and understood what is the works of the, uh, of the Spirit and what are the works of the flesh. And, uh, and, you know, you would think, well, we'd have a good understanding of the works of the flesh. But in reality, it's nice to have a list that's definitively laid out and recognize, hey, this ties to the flesh. And, uh, and that list is laid out for us in uh, verses, well, let's see there. It goes down in verse number 19 and, and down. Um, and and we, we defined each one of those words. So if you were not here and you missed that, uh, you can go on the web page and you can uh, go back and listen to that lesson, uh, the Sunday school lesson. Or uh, if you don't use the web, you can uh, ask the sound guys and get the lesson from last week. And, uh, and, and they'll get you a CD of that. And so we still have those available as well. Uh, but, uh, but it's nice to have those all defined. And some of those words I had to look up, to be honest with you. I, I know I've looked them up in the past, but sometimes you just don't remember words like uh, lasciviousness and emulations, all right? And, and so some of those words, it's like, what does that mean? And so we defined those and we understand and we can see how they tie directly to our flesh. And it correlates with what our flesh desires, and, uh, and so this week, I want us to look at the actual choice of deciding to walk in the Spirit. Um, Ronald Reagan, as a young boy, needed a pair of shoes. He was uh, obviously young, and his aunt had taken him to the cobbler. Now, I, this is, I, that must have been something that was normal. I don't know. I've never been to a cobbler. Uh, well, actually, I take that back. In Peru, they did have cobblers. Uh, living in Peru, I, there were some aspects that I really enjoyed. One was, it was like taking a step back in time. I'm not kidding you. It was like taking a, a time machine back uh, 50 years. And, and actually, they didn't call them a cobbler. I don't remember what they called them. Uh, probably a zapatero, uh, which would be a uh, shoe guy, and, uh, and, which would be a cobbler. And, uh, and so Ronald Reagan, his aunt took him to the cobbler. And after the cobbler finished sizing his feet, and he asked him if he would like rounded toes or squared toes on his shoes. Boy, the decisions. And uh, I, for one, I don't like decisions. I mean, uh, I, mean I want simplified. I don't want to have to decide all that stuff. So rounded or squared, and Reagan indecisively delayed. Finally, the cobbler gave him a few days to think about it. And a few days later, as uh, the cobbler was in town. He ran into young Ro Ronald Reagan and on the streets, and he, and he asked him then, he said, you know, do you want 
uh, rounded toes or do you want squared toes on those shoes that I'm making for you? And Ronald Reagan kind of fumbling around and uh, the cobbler could see, well, he's still indecisive. And he said, that's all right. He said, it's not a problem. He said, you just, you know, you let me know. You think about it. Well, Ronald Reagan just couldn't make up his mind. And finally, uh, a few days later, uh, they were notified that the shoes were ready. And Ronald Reagan had really never decided. And so upon arrival uh, to, to pick up those shoes, they noticed that one was rounded toe and one was square toed. He had a pair of shoes that really, they matched. They were the same color and everything else, but the toes were different. Ronald Reagan uh, learned an, a valuable lesson that cobbler said, uh, let this be a lesson to you to not allow others to make up your mind. Well, that's an important lesson to learn. And sometimes it's easy just to let others make up our mind and make up our decisions in our life. But we need to be careful that we don't allow uh, others and that we purposefully make decisions in our life. In Galatians chapter 5, we're there in verse number 13. The Bible says this, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And let's stop there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. God, I pray that you'd use me this morning. God, I pray that you'd help me to teach your word and God to, uh, to give the lesson, God, that, that is clearly from your, your word. God, I pray that you would help each and every person uh, to apply the scriptures to their life this morning. And, uh, and God, may they be touched and, and may you uh, help each and every person apply this to their lives and their lives would be changed and God, they would uh, live for you and we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this verse, uh, and, and it goes down, it's in context with the rest of the verses that we will be looking at as we go into the works of the flesh or the works of the Spirit later on. But this verse right here clearly defines, he says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. A lot of people like that first part. And they say, have you ever heard somebody, uh, and they'll say, well, uh, man, we have liberty in Christ. And we do have liberty in Christ. That's what the Bible says. We, we do have that liberty in Christ. But many times they misappropriate that phrase and, uh, and they take that idea of liberty and they apply it to being able to do whatever they want to do. Many people, they'll say, uh, when, when somebody else says, well, you know, I don't know that you should be doing that. Or uh, say, well, I don't know if that's a good idea. And, and they'll quickly blurt back, well, we have liberty in Christ. Well, the Bible goes on and it says in the next portion, uh, the very next phrase, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. And so the, the warning uh, to the believer, the warning to the believer that we can see here that we do have liberty, but liberty is not for selfish pleasure. Uh, we looked at that, le that list last week uh, about the works of the flesh and, and how uh, long it is and how extensive it is. And, uh, and many times people will take and they'll, they'll want to say, well, we have grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and people will uh, continue in their life and doing what they want. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, uh, he says, only use not this grace for sin. Uh, 
um, in Romans chapter 6, in verse number 1, he says this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, God forbid. In other words, no, that's not the purpose of liberty. That's not the purpose of grace. And yet many people will take that grace and they'll take that liberty and they'll apply it and say, well, you know, I want to live how I want to live. And after all, we have liberty. And after all, there is grace. And, and listen, that's a misappropriation of the grace and of the liberty uh, that God has given us. Many of One of the biggest things I think that popped up uh, or has popped up probably in the last 10 years, is, uh, is Christians deciding, well, that it's okay to dr- social drink. Uh, listen, that's, that's, the Bible is very clear uh, that, that I tell people this, and I've said it many times, I'll say it again, that alcohol is, I recommend drinking alcohol like I recommend playing with poisonous snakes. Don't do it. Stay away from it. Why? Because the Bible says, alas, it biteth like an adder, it stingeth like a, a serpent. And, and it's a very dangerous thing. And, and people are playing with things that, uh, listen, can cause a lot of problems. And I know I've talked about this in the past, but I'm just telling you, there are a lot of Christians that say, well, we have liberty. Oh, wait, but only use not that liberty for an occasion of the flesh. And there's a fleshly appeal to those things that are in the world. I mean, after all, all the works of the flesh are listed here, and there is an appeal. But he's trying to warn us that we need to stay away from that list of things, those fleshly pleasures, and that we ought to be moving closer to God. One of the things I think that is common in Christianity today is that, uh, that people uh, are, they, they desire to be in the world. In other words, they want one hand in the world, they want one foot in the world, but yet they still want to be a Christian. They still want that assurance of their salvation and that uh, they're okay with God. And so they're always trying to put one foot over here, and they're trying to put the other foot over here, and they're trying to, to maintain a balancing act between the world and between the God. Can I tell you this morning that the Bible says, only use not your liberty for an occasion of the flesh, that we should not be even heading over to the direction of worldliness and to the flesh, but that we should be uh, uh, getting ourselves closer to God. And that we ought to, we ought to love God, that we ought to try and get as close to God and the Word of God as we can and get as far away from the world and worldliness as we can. You say, well, that, that's what the Bible's teaching. That's what he says here. He says uh, in verse 13, For brethren, I have called you unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Save your spot here and go over to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Then you get into all the T's, Thessalonians, Timothy, and then Titus. All those T's are right together just before the book of Philemon and Hebrews. Titus chapter number 2. And look at what it says in this verse, Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 11. Titus 2.11, the Bible says... For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. So he's teaching saved people. He's saying, listen, the grace of God hath appeared to all men. Uh, the grace of God that bringeth salvation. In other words, the, the, he's teaching saved people. He's teaching people who have been saved and born again. And he says uh, that in verse number 11. And he says in verse number 12, 
teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, hey, that, that is applicable. I'm glad that when Paul wrote that, uh, uh, that epistle, that he didn't put that, uh, that he said that you should live soberly, righteously, and godly uh, in, in uh, 0035 AD. I don't know when he wrote it. 60 AD, whenever it was he wrote it. Probably closer to 60, not 35. Anyway, because then you'd think, well, that... Well, that was applicable, you know, 1,500 years ago, almost 2,000 years ago. But that's not applicable today. Listen, God's word is timeless. And that what was good back in the 60s A.D., not 1960, 0060 A.D., is still good today. What God was requiring of the Christians, the early Christians, to not conform to this world still applies today. My, my life's verse has always been this, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. God doesn't want you to die. God wants you to be alive. A living sacrifice. And he goes on and he says, holy, uh, acceptable uh, unto God, I messed it up. Let's go back. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed, he goes on in verse number two, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. You know, the, the, uh, this might be uh, before some of your times, but your grandkids certainly know about them and your children know about them. Transformers. Uh, it's, it's a fictitious movie thing, you know, that uh, I don't even know a lot about them. I, I know the basis because they were a thing when I was a kid, but I didn't really get into them. They turn into a car and then they turn into a robot. You know, they transform. That's what that word means, that we are to change, that we are to change from being worldly. Listen, how do you become worldly? Well, that's no problem. There's no effort required. You conform to the world. You do what everyone else is doing. You live like everyone else is living. That's a natural progression that we would all slide towards the rest of the world. We'd live like the rest of the culture. We'd live like everyone else if we didn't do something about it. But God says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. That would be changed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's God's will for your life. That's what he desires. That we would not live in the liberty of the flesh, as so many people like to interpret it, but that we would deny ungodliness and that we would live righteously. It's a warning to the believers that he gives back in Galatians chapter number 5. He's saying, listen, uh, don't take that liberty and apply it to the flesh and do what you desire. He goes on in verse number 13. Look at what he says. He says, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Look at what he says in the next phrase. But by love serve one another. Wow. That's not popular in the world. Matter of fact, that's unheard of in the world. 
if somebody in the worldly context, if somebody buddies up to you and, and all of a sudden wants to start doing things for you and all of a sudden wants to start helping you, you become suspicious. Why? Because the way the world works, they want something from you. They're trying to get something. And that's the way the world works. Listen, Jesus was, was, was teaching something totally contrary to what the world was teaching even back then. Uh, and that, that was service one to another. Jesus said, hey, the greatest of these is the servant. He that would serve somebody that would help somebody else. And that's what he's saying here, uh, that it is liberty for serving others. You know the fulfillment of the Old Testament law? He said, this is love one another. That's the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. You go back to the Old Testament law and you look at all the laws that apply to your neighbor. Don't covet his fence post. Don't move his fence post and move it over so that move it over the other way so that you have more land. That's stealing from your neighbor. Don't covet your neighbor's possessions. Uh, and it goes on and on. You know what it is? It is treat. It rules up and it sums up in all of this as Jesus said. Basically, uh, the golden rule that you would treat others as you would like to be treated. In other words, that you would care about others and you'd be concerned and say, would I want somebody to do that to me? Would I want somebody to move my fence post? Would I want somebody to lie to me? Would I want somebody to steal from me? Would I want somebody to do those things? That is, this, that is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law that we would serve other people. Most problems in this life can be solved by selfless service to others. The problem is, oftentimes in our life, we become selfish. And listen, that's a temptation that everyone can face. That's a temptation that, uh, that is just there. It, it's, a, it's a natural reaction, and that's why he's giving us this warning. Hey, listen, don't follow the temptation to become selfish and serve yourself, but rather serve other people and help other people. And so that's the idea. There's a warning uh, that we should be careful not to follow our fleshly desires and do what our flesh desires, but rather to serve other people. And he gives us freedom to serve. Paul, uh, God gave us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. And, and he said to me, this is when Paul was praying. He said, I had a thorn in the flesh and I prayed for it to be removed three times. And, uh, and God said to him this, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, would I, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When we start looking out for ourselves more than we're concerned about other people. Hey, we need to allow liberty to serve in our life to serve other people. I've said this many times, and that is, you know, when sometimes people think it's all about me, and you look at yourself, and can I say this, when you look at some of the most popular people, um, especially in pop culture, when, when, they are no, when the world is no longer revolving around them, they get upset. They're no longer happy. Can I tell you this? You will never please your flesh. 
those people, most of those people that are in the center of attention, they, they have to be dramatic and go through great extents to continue to be the center of attention of those pop circles. And if they lose that, they feel invaluable. But in reality, even when they are at the center of those circles, they're not happy. There's not real happiness in their life. Uh, because why? Because you can never, never be happy focused on self. It's not possible. But you can be happy focused on other people. You, you focus on self, and you know what? Your flesh wants more. We've talked about that in finances. We've talked about that in many other areas. You know, what a, what a, uh, the, several Wednesdays ago, I think it was, that I, I had given this and I had read this, is that, uh, you know, a poll was taken. How much, how much money would you need to make in order to be happy? And, and the result was double what I'm currently making. So if you're only making $10 a week, then you'd need to make $20. If you're making $1,000 a week, then you'd need to make $2,000. You see how it's very irrelevant? The dollar amount is not the thing. It is the incontentment that people have and the fact that they always want more. Your flesh will not be satisfied focusing on self and focusing on what you want. We have to focus on other people. And so there is a, a warning to the believers in verse number 13. Verse number 14, he says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, that's the law that we were talking about, all the law is fulfilled in one word, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, verse 15, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Verse 16 that we focused on last week as well. He says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. So in verse 13, we have a warning to believers uh, to not use the liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Uh, and we see that the law uh, is summed up in loving one another. Uh, but then I want you to notice the walk of the spiritual Christian. This word walk, we didn't look at this part. This word walk is present tense. You know what that implies? When I learned Spanish, uh, boy, I, didn't, I did not even know there were that many forms of, of uh, tenses of verbs. Now, some of you are lost. You're like, whoa, tenses of verbs. And then the, the people who, who majored in, in English grammar, they're like, oh, yeah, we, we love this stuff. And so you're either, you either love it or you hate it. But I'm telling you this. There's a lot of different forms of those verbs. And, and, uh, and I remember learning in Spanish. Matter of fact, I learned more about the English language when I learned Spanish than I ever learned sitting in English class. It was amazing because it helped me understand grammar. And, uh, and so then the next, uh, the, so all the forms, there's, there's past tense and, uh, and there's the uh, past tense that is ongoing. It's an action, but it will continue to go. There's a past tense that it just is, it was said and done at one point and it's all over. It doesn't continue. That is a, another form of past tense. But in this verse, it is in present tense. He says, walk in the spirit. This is not a past tense. Well, you should walk in the, in, the, uh, in the spirit one time in your life. No, this is an ongoing verb that will continue from the day you get saved until you, the day you die, that you should continue walking in the spirit. That's what he's saying. And uh, it is a walk in the spirit. D.L. Moody, a great preacher of, of times gone by, he said this, a Christian who is not living in the power of the Spirit is living below his privileges. 
Wow, that's powerful. A Christian who is not living in the power of the Spirit is living below his privileges. Let me help illustrate that for you. Uh, if you're not living in the power of the Spirit, it's kind of like being the, kid, the king's son and deciding, hey, I'm going to leave the castle and I'm going to go live on the streets. That's kind of what it's like. Uh, because, listen, we have all the privileges of being the very child of God and, and having, uh, having good uh, will with the Father and walking with Him, and yet we would choose to go out and live on our own. We are living below the privileges. And you know the Bible says in John 13, or 16, 13, we find these two go together. It says, how be it? When he, that would be the spirit, let me go back and read it because it says that. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. You know, one of the things, one of the great truths in Scripture is this, that the Holy Spirit of God always goes coupled with the Word of God. Spirit and truth. And, and if you want to walk in the Spirit, uh, then listen, we need to fill our life with the Word of God. We advocate and we, for years. We, uh, one of the things our church has done is we, we try and encourage people, read through your Bible in a year. And I try to mention that throughout the year and, and just keep people, hey, you know, stay on top of it. You know, it's not going to happen by accident. You're not just going to wake up on December 31st and say, man, I finished the Bible and I didn't even try. That's not going to happen. It takes a concentrated effort. It takes work. Uh, I, I used to strive, and I still try to strive to, to read through it two times in a year. I used to read it once in English and then once in Spanish. And, and, uh, and when I started learning Italian, I'm like, man, I'm not going for three, and I'm not trying to read it in three languages. But I, I strive to read through my Bible. And, and let me tell you something. Uh, in my life, it requires work. It requires dedication. I've got to set aside time. I've got to get up five minutes, ten minutes early extra. I've got to make sure that I set apart time. And you say, well, preacher, you work at the church. You can just read your Bible at church. Man, I'm telling you, when I hit the church office, it's busy. I, I, before I come to the church, I open my Bible at home. You know what I do? I sit down and I read my Bible for me. Because I need to read my Bible. And you have got to fill your life with the Word of God so that the Spirit of God has something to work with in, throughout the course of your daily life. The Bible says this in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is a great chapter. I would say it's my favorite chapter, but I say that about every chapter and every story. Uh, but there's so much good in the Word of God. But it says this in Psalm 119 in verse 9. It says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? In other words, how is he going to clean up his life? Listen, by nature, he'll walk in the world. By nature, he'll do the things of the world. By nature, he'll live like the world. By nature, he'll continue in the way of the world. But how is he going to clean up his life? And the Bible says, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. This book is, going, is the only way to clean up a life. And this book applied to our life will clean up our life. It goes on and it says in verse number 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. I love that chapter because it tells us, number one, how to clean our life with the word of God. This book will clean up your life. 
It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what state you are in. It doesn't matter how buried in sin you are. This book will clean up your life. And then it goes on and it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. So we have the way to clean up our life, and then we have the way to maintain our life clean. And that's by taking the Word of God and placing it in our heart, memorizing it, meditating upon it, spending time in the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit of God will bring those things to remembrance when we have temptation. And you will face temptation in this world. You'll be tempted. Everyone is tempted. And so you'll go out into the world and you'll be tempted. And the Holy Spirit of God will help you will bring those things, but it starts with a conscientious decision to fill your life with the Word of God. You've got to do that. You've got to spend time in the Word of God. You've got to fill your life with the Word of God because the Spirit and truth go together. And then it's a chosen walk. He says this in Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 6, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Sometimes it's hard to know the right answer. But listen, sometimes we're tempted to do things or to live wrong. And listen, when that temptation, if we were to stop, and if we could stop time, which is not possible, if we could stop time, we could say, Okay, and we think logically about this. Okay, I have this temptation that's in front of me. But the Word of God says this. Then it boils down to a choice. Well, am I going to obey God? Because God is not one to force us to do right. He did not create a bunch of robots. He did not force us to trust Him as our own personal Savior. He does not force us to do what's right. Now, there is a gentle nudging of the Holy Spirit. There is a prick about, uh, about um, when we sin, there's that prick of conviction in our heart where God says, hey, you should not have done that. And then you're like, man, you're right. I shouldn't have. And I need to get that right. And I need to confess that. I need to make sure uh, that, that I'm covered and that, that everything's right. And, and I don't want to continue down that path. But then there's that conscientious dis- decision as well that when we're faced with temptation, are we going to go that route or are we going to obey the Word of God? And listen, we're there in our life often and we ought to know, we ought to decide and choose to follow God in our life. He says, walk in the Spirit. That decision almost comes down to a step. I don't know if you can see me all the way over there. Are you going to step this way and follow sin, or are you going to step this way and follow God with your life? It's a decision. It's a conscientious step forward that you are taking one way or the other because they're contradictory. We know that. Uh, They're completely opposed one to another, the works of the flesh and the work of the Spirit. So we see the warning of the believer that, hey, we are not to use the liberty and excuse our actions to follow the flesh, and we are to walk uh, in, in the way of the Spirit. Look at verse number 17. He says, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Lastly, we see the warfare 
within each Christian. The warfare. We see the warning of the believer. We see the walk of the believer that she, they should walk in the Spirit. But then lastly, we see this warfare and the pull of the flesh. Jesus said this in John 8, 34, Barely, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is a servant, is the servant of sin. And uh, committing sin, it gradually takes control over you. And, uh, and one time a, a grandmother asked her granddaughter, she had gone to the circus, and she asked her granddaughter, uh, she said, well, what did you think of the circus? And the little girl responded, she said, oh, Grandma, it was, it was wonderful. If you ever went once, you'd never be satisfied with church. Isn't that true, though? I mean, there's a pull, there's an allurement, and there's, uh, I'm not saying the circus is wrong, but, but there is an allurement to the things of the world. And there's less of an allurement to the things of God. But I tell you this, there is an allurement to having a right life, having peace, having joy with God, having long-suffering, having meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. Looking at the fruit of the Spirit, there is an allurement to having complete peace in your life. And, and listen, uh, sometimes there's that, that warfare within us that says, hey, I want to go out and I want to live after the flesh. And it, and it tends to draw us away. Uh, Romans 6, 6 deals with this extensively between the flesh and, and the walking in the Spirit. And he says, know, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. What an important thing that we need to learn in our life, a conscientious decision to not follow sin in our life. We see the warfare. You know the warfare. If you're saved and you're born again, and you know you live in, in this, this torn world of, by, I want to serve God, and yet there's this pull of the flesh that's constantly alluring and pulling me away from where I want to go and, and what I want to do. And by the way, that, that is a good evidence of salvation, by the way, that you have that torn decision. That is a, a, an evidence that you are born again and that the Spirit of God lives within you and, and that you struggle with that. That's a normal Christian uh, struggle that is there. But then we can see not only the pull of the flesh, but the power of the Spirit. Look with me again in Galatians 5, and we look at this list. It says in verse number 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh, with the affections and lusts. And he's saying, listen, we ought to walk in the Spirit. We ought, to, we ought to follow God with our life. And we ought to decide. You have to choose to deny your flesh. You have to choose to fill your life with the Word of God. You have to choose to walk in the Spirit. It's a choice that you've got to make in your life. It's a choice that you've got to make in your life on a daily basis. My, my daughter and I, the other day, we were driving back and we went out to a wedding, and we, were, we had a little bit of a drive back. And so me and her, we were, just me and her in the car, we were driving back, and we were talking, and, and uh, we were just talking about uh, things. And, and it's amazing. Anybody of, who is parents, you understand, your kids are a mix of you and your wife. It's, it's really quite an amazing thing, to be honest with you. So we were talking, and, 
And, uh, and she said, yeah, we were talking about fast food restaurants and what we liked and what we didn't like. And, and, uh, and she, says, uh, she says, yeah, she's like Chipotle. I don't really like Chipotle. She's like, I like their food. I said, I'm with you. I like their food. She's like, I don't like the choices you got to make when you go there. I said, I'm with you. Man, it, it gives, I, some of, some of you, my wife, she's, she's great about making choices. She's like, yeah, I want this, I want this, I want this. I go in, I'm like, white rice or brown? Man, do I want white rice or do I want brown rice today? It takes me 15 minutes. I finally say, yeah, I think I'm going to go with that brown rice today. Great. You want cheese? Uh, yeah, I like cheese. Great. What kind of cheese? Oh, are you kidding me? Provolone, American, Swiss, there's jalapeno, there's... I like spicy, I like tasty cheese, I like, yeah, and, I'm, and I'm trying to decide what kind of cheese, and then they're like, you want peppers, or yeah, I want peppers, you want red peppers, you want green peppers, you want spicy peppers, you want this, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm there with, I'm like, man, there's too many choices, and listen, in our life, we're going to go through our life, and there are constantly, you are going to be faced with choices and decisions, are you going to follow God or are you going to follow the flesh? And sometimes it's easy to default into following the flesh just because we don't stop and think about it. We don't stop and, and block it and say, you know what, I, I'm going to choose to follow God. We have to make that choice every day, not only every day, multiple times a day when you live your life. And sometimes it's not easy. So we have to choose to deny our flesh. We have to choose to fill ourselves with the Word of God. And we have to choose in each and every battle, I'm going to follow the Spirit. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. And God, we do struggle. We do fight the flesh. And God, some days we follow the flesh more than we follow you. And God, we're asking you to help us to obey and follow you in each and every battle, in each and every decision. God, I pray that you'd help us and strengthen us. Thank you for each and every person. And God, if there's one here that maybe they're not feeling that battle, maybe they don't have the spirit that lives within them, maybe they've never trusted you as their own personal Savior. God, I pray that you would touch their heart, show them their need for salvation. And God, may they call upon you and ask you to save them, that they could have that, that they too could walk in newness of life, as you've said in your word, and experience the blessings of having the fruit of the Spirit and not just the works of the flesh. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open.